Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, the Chancellor of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Dr. Kevin Gutzowitz is our guest. As we said earlier, he is a neuroscientist by training and has done extensive research on concussions, especially in college and professional athletics. And so that gives you sort of a unique perspective to uh, uh, speak about athletics. And of course, as we said in the uh, last segment, uh, college athletics very much in the news these days with the NIL name image likeness concerns, the conference realignment and the portal. So a lot of changes. And of course, uh, the budgets keep going up. Television becomes very important. So Again, with all that as an introduction, I'm going to sort of turn the microphone over to you and give us your perspective as chancellor on where college athletics and in particular, the uh, athletic program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill is heading. Yeah, well, uh, Don, you are right. There's uh, the, the changing landscape of intercollegiate athletics is uh, certainly in play. Uh, it's uh, you can't pick up, uh, uh, you know, a newspaper or turn on uh uh, the, the news on a given day without hearing something or reading something about it. We are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, in athletics and intercollegiate sport. Uh, as you just said, my research intersects with it. I, I believe in um, Carolina being that place that uh, prides itself in excellence in the classroom, uh, excellence in our research laboratories and uh, in our uh, performance studios and uh, and also uh, on our athletics fields, and uh, and I uh, I love the fact that our just like our faculty, our world class faculty are um, met most of them lifelong mentors for our students. I think our coaches uh, are very much uh, they become uh, lifelong mentors for our student athletes, and so uh, I'm proud of the fact that it's a, a major part of of uh, uh, of our campus culture and but uh but there are challenges becoming more and more expensive with uh, uh name image and likeness uh, out there and the the challenge there is simply that uh there is no uh, the ncaa has sort of walked away from this and put very few roles in place around it uh, uh, the uh, states have come in and in many states now have come in and um, created their own legislation around name, image, and likeness that has created some competitive um, advantages for <laughs> for, um, for some institutions, and it's created uh, competitive disadvantages for others. And so uh, until I think the federal government comes in and is willing to uh, put some uh, federal legislation in place around this, uh, I think you're going to continue to see the sort of patchwork approach that's out there now uh, that's creating a lot of confusion, uh, a lot of challenges for for it. And I think it's putting uh, intercollegiate sports uh, in um, in jeopardy in some ways. Um, you know, I think you mentioned the transfer portal. I think that's another uh, challenge. It's It's tough because we, we we take pride, as I said, here at Carolina, and I know most of, I think, if not all of our schools in the ACC, in taking pride on placing emphasis on um, the, the academics and athletics. And when you have a transfer portal where a student athlete can uh, just bounce around from one uh, institution to another fairly freely, uh, you're you're losing uh, 
the, the, the academic part of it. And, um, and if you look at the, it'll be interesting to see the data uh, this year, the number of students, it was just an exorbitant number of students, athletes that entered that transfer portal. And many of them, I, I believe the statistic at one point was over half of them were not going to find a new landing place. And so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how the portal is used differently this coming year uh, after what we saw this past year. Um, but it is a challenge. And um, uh, and so, uh, you know, you mentioned conference realignment. Um, since June 30th of last year, when UCLA and USC uh, left the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten, uh, there's been a lot of concern around the country about you know, who's going to make that next move. And, uh, and so it certainly has created some questions for us within the ACC. And uh, are we uh, committed as a, a conference of, of, uh, of 15 schools uh, to um, becoming a, um, you know, of staying together and uh, looking at the, 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 one of the challenges that we have is that we have a long uh, term contract that goes, a media contract with ESPN that goes through 2036. And as you well know, the Big Ten uh, just uh, landed a, a big contract predominantly with Fox and a few of the other major networks uh, that's going to, over time here in the next few years, we'll be paying uh, those uh, member institutions in the Big Ten uh, uh, upwards of you know, 70 to $80 million, if not more, per year um, when the other conferences are significantly less than that. And so are we at a competitive disadvantage because of that? And uh, most would agree that we are. And so we're working really hard on trying to uh, find ways to uh, to go back to ESPN and think about renegotiating our contracts so that we can um, continue to be competitive. So. Um, so I touched on all three of those uh, topics, and you may have more specific questions for me. No, I, you know, there's, there's so many. There's more uh, questions than there are answers, and so I, I don't know that you can add much more than you've already added because there aren't any real answers yet, and uh, that's uh, something that I guess we'll just have to work out with time. Let's talk a little bit about the recent U.S. Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action the uh, UNC and uh, was chosen as the target school for privates and Harvard was uh, chosen as a private, uh, the school that was uh, targeted as a private. But essentially this ruling affects all the colleges and universities. Uh, and uh, we, we were sort of picked out, I guess, as a, as a uh, front porch school to, uh, to uh, use as an example. Talk a little bit about that and how that's going to change what happens as far as admissions at Chapel Hill? So, uh, you know, Harvard and uh, Carolina being the oldest, uh, Carolina the oldest public, uh, Harvard the oldest uh, private, uh, was probably had something to do with uh, uh, the reason that, that we were uh, selected uh, by the plaintiffs. <laughs> but uh, obviously- not, not necessarily the, degree, the uh, selection you wanted, but that was the way it worked out. No, it's the way it worked out. And uh, obviously, Don, you know, this was not the outcome we were hoping for. Uh, however, we respect the decision and we'll follow the law. And uh, I made that clear to the campus community last Thursday uh, in a campus message, and we're continuing to, uh, to work on this. We, we are taking uh, the time to carefully review the decision and determine you know, how it will exactly impact uh, our campus. Uh, but what is outlined in our 
strategic plan, Carolina Next, uh, remains the same and is unchanged. And that is that we will uh, continue to build our community together. It's the first strategic initiative in our strategic plan. Carolina is committed to bringing together talented students with uh, different perspectives and life experiences and to making an affordable, uh, high quality education accessible to the people of North Carolina and beyond, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, we you know, will have to we'll have more to say as we review the decision and uh, that uh, what we will uh, be sure to continue to communicate with our campus. Uh, and and others across the state on uh, what this means for us. But um, it, uh, uh, you know, I want to just continue to emphasize that uh, every student who has earned their um, admission to Caroline has, has really earned their place here. And uh, that's one of the things I think that I've worried a little bit with, with the decision is how some of those um, students might feel about uh, uh, what how the decision could be interpreted. And so we're just reassuring uh, everyone that uh, we have a, a really good sound admissions process. Uh, we're going to have to change some of the ways in which we um, uh, will review um, applicants moving forward in the future. As you mentioned, we had 60 over 65,000 applications this year for about 46, 4,700 spots. And so it's a place that uh, is highly desirable to, uh, to, to a lot of people. And uh, uh, we want to be sure that we can uh, provide those opportunities to, to all those that uh, can earn their way here. For those who are, have not followed this uh, case in detail, is exactly what was the ruling? What uh, was the case and what was the ruling? Well, the, 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 rule, the, the case was essentially plaintiff claiming that uh, the race should not be permissible, uh, that it was in violation of the Constitution uh, is equal protection clause. And, um, and we use race, as do thousands of uh, institutions across the country, as one of many factors uh, in our whole, what's called a holistic admissions process. And so uh, the plaintiffs claimed that, um, that that was in violation of the Constitution, uh, despite the fact that there had been rulings um, uh, two years ago, we, uh, we, we persevered in the uh, uh, district uh, court uh, in Winston-Salem uh, with the same plaintiffs, uh, but they appealed it to the Supreme Court. Uh, and despite the fact that uh, for decades, uh, this is a decades-long um, sort of admissions um, policy that's been used nationwide uh, from cases going back to the uh, to, to the 1980s. And uh, but at, at any rate, that's all been overturned as of last week. And it uh, essentially means that uh, no institution will be allowed to use uh, race as a factor, um, even one of many factors in their admissions uh, decisions. One of the other things that North Carolina takes pride in is our community college system. And uh, for the last, I guess, uh, maybe 15 years or 10 years, uh, especially, there's been a growing sense of cooperation between the uh, university schools, and, and including UNC Chapel Hill, and the community college system. Would you uh, talk a little bit about how that's working out? Well, it's working out great. In fact, I just had lunch today with... Uh, uh, Lisa Chapman, who is the uh, uh, the, the president uh, down at uh, Central Carolina Community College, uh, it's an outstanding uh, uh, 
community college uh, that we enjoy uh, welcoming students from with their associate's degrees uh, through our C-STEP program, which is a program uh, that we started uh, about 16 years ago uh, that um, uh, we're, we're set up with 14 community colleges uh, across North Carolina that um, allow students, uh, we, we embed some uh, advising uh, resources into those schools to help prepare them for a seamless uh, transfer to Carolina after they've earned their associate's degree. And uh, it's been a very successful program and uh, one that, that we're very proud of. Uh, but there are 57 community colleges across North Carolina that we uh, welcome uh, students to Carolina from. And uh, uh, it's, um, you know, there are, and, and some of these students are non-traditional students uh, that uh, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, are, you know, starting a family or, or working two jobs while going to school part time. Uh, some of them working two jobs and going uh, full time. But we try to find a path for them uh, to come to Carolina, and I know that uh, other schools across the system uh, welcome uh, students from these outstanding community colleges. So we're, it's a great system and one that uh, I look forward to continuing to partner more uh, with, uh, which is why uh, I enjoyed uh, sharing lunch with Lisa uh, today. Well, and actually, this is another way where you can actually, in some cases, bring down the cost of the, the whole degree cost. Uh, by spending at least one year in community college and cutting down the uh, attendance at the uh, university. Uh, we also at Chapel Hill, I think, have a unique arrangement with the military and got maybe 40 seconds for you to comment on that. Yeah, we are uh, every year over the past uh, decade, I would say, we have increased the enrollment of uh, of uh, military veterans and or uh, uh, students of military families and uh, placing additional resources, raising uh, money uh, for uh, scholarship and aid. Uh, uh, and uh, Stephen Debbie Vetter created an incredible program to help support uh, uh, families, uh, military families, so that their uh, children could come to Carolina. And, uh, and we're proud of that. They bring some, you talk about bringing different lived experiences uh, into the classroom, those of uh, military veterans and or students from military families is really important and uh, we're proud of that. Our guest is Dr. Kevin Gutzowitz uh, and uh, we have one final segment. We're going to talk about new initiatives and a very successful campaign, uh, fundraising campaign in our final segment. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm gonna make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor, check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. 
The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, Chancellor Kevin Gutzowitz, uh, the uh, 12th Chancellor of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And uh, we have talked about all sorts of interesting things. If you have missed the first segment of the program, you might want to go back and listen to it online on carolinanewsmakers.com. Let's talk a little bit uh, in this segment about the new initiatives and uh, and you've got so many always uh, going on at Chapel Hill and as, as, as far as the entire UNC system, for that matter, all sorts of interesting things going on. But let's talk about uh, the Carolina Next program and the innovations that you are bringing forth uh, that the students can look forward to in the next uh, eight or 10 years. Yeah, well, well, thanks, Don. You know, the first one I just want to mention is one called Carolina Cross 100. And uh, uh, this is uh, a five-year initiative that we launched two years ago to form meaningful partnerships in all 100 counties uh, across North Carolina uh, to respond to some of the statewide challenges stemming from uh, or exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. And Anita Brown Graham, uh, who many of our listeners will know, one of our incredible faculty members from the School of Government is leading this effort. Uh, she launched, uh, I was standing with her up at, uh, at Durham Tech, uh, speaking about one of our community colleges, uh, uh, about a year ago, launched uh, the first program in the Carolina Cross 100 initiative, and it's called Our State, Our Work. Uh, and we had over 150 undergrad students working with Anita and her team on this. But it's uh, uh, the Our State, Our Work initiative is connecting unemployed or underemployed young adults with uh, better jobs uh, in response to disruptions in the U.S. labor market. And uh, a new initiative that we just launched a few weeks ago called Our State, Our Well-Being program will work with uh, local communities to identify and implement strategies to prevent suicide and improve resources uh, available for mental health and behavioral health. And so uh, couldn't be more pleased with the work that Anita and the team are doing on this. Should be a great uh, uh, person for you to think about interviewing in a, in a, in a, uh, a future uh, segment of your show. Um, but other initiatives, uh, you know, we, we launched uh, a new school, the, the first new school in about 40 years at Carolina uh, last June. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we just wrapped up the first year of our new school of uh, data science and society. And uh, I'm eager to, to share more about uh, uh, the, the UNC School of Data Science Society and, and sort of what this means for how uh, Carolina is contributing to our state's workforce and economy. And, uh, the, we just announced the first degree program uh, at the school, and it's an online uh, Master of Applied Data Science. And um, you know, the program uh, provides recent graduates and, and working professionals with a, I guess I'd say a, a more comprehensive understanding of the, the data life cycle, uh, technical expertise in areas such as programming and machine learning and opportunities to connect with uh, industry professionals in North Carolina and beyond. So this is really about having an opportunity to, to bring 
industry partners to the region and, and us being able then to help fill out that workforce demand uh, that's going to be here as, as more companies are wanting to move uh, to Carolina. And, and a lot of other institutions have created schools of data science, but we're excited about ours because it's a school of data science and society. And that is that we are um, trying to solve problems that society's facing through a, a data-driven approach and uh, one that's going to enable scholars and researchers to address real life problems that are facing communities uh, such as um, health disparities, such as uh, coastal resilience, especially you know, here in North Carolina and things of that nature. So uh, excited about the new School of Data Science and Society. Um, and then the last uh, a new initiative I'll, I'll say a bit about, and that has to do with our, our work around civil discourse and uh, civic life and leadership. and. Uh, I'm excited about uh, the way in which our program for public discourse has evolved over the past uh, three and a half, four years and the opportunities in front of us for uh, a, a new opportunity to build out the curriculum uh, for a school of civic life and leadership that will be uh, housed within the College of Arts and Sciences. And, uh, uh, you know, as the nation's first public university, we have a responsibility to be a place that brings together people of diverse backgrounds, experiences and viewpoints. Uh, to debate the issues of our time and that's what this school and this program is going to do uh, and uh, i'm pleased that uh, collectively we're uh, embracing this as an important responsibility and that uh, we'll uphold uh, uh, that responsibility in preparing the next generation of leaders so there'll be a lot more to come on on both of these uh, uh, new initiatives but uh, we're, we're excited about it You've been a member of the faculty since 1995, and so you have a lot of experience with students. What is the biggest change you've seen in students in the last uh, 25 years? Well, you know, one of the things that, as I think about uh, when I entered college, I kind of thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and I jumped into a major and and, and ran with it. And I think uh, most people... uh, probably would, would say they did the same. Uh, today's students, I think, are, are more curious. They, they want to explore. And uh, one of the things I love about Carolina is that uh, you don't have to choose your major in your first semester or two. Uh, in our new general education curriculum that we launched this year, it's called Ideas in Action, uh, allows students to explore different disciplines. There's a new course called uh, Um, ideas, information, and inquiry, and it's a large lecture class that's required of of all first-year students in their first year, uh, co-taught by three faculty from three different disciplines, three different departments uh, around how they solve big problems. Uh, I mentioned health disparities before. You know, imagine a faculty member from, uh, you know, that teaches in health economics, another that teaches in psychology, and another that teaches in public health uh, around this topic. And, um, and you expose the students to uh, the way they uh, ask questions, solve the big challenges, uh, and exposing those students to these different disciplines. And uh, I think it's going to open up students' eyes. It's going to allow them to be curious uh, and to think about maybe double majoring or making sure that they pick up a, a minor alongside their major. And um, and that's what makes us, I think, a great public university is opportunities for students to explore. And that's one of the things that's different about today's student uh, than I think what uh, I experienced when I got here 28 years ago. Well, we talk a lot about uh, the cost of education. The state of North Carolina, of course, is one of the sources of revenue. Tuition is yet another. Research is yet another. But the uh, gifts 
and grants from alumni and friends of the university was never more evident than in the completion of a recent capital campaign in which you set all sorts of records. Talk about that that huge, hugely successful campaign. Well, again, uh, Don, this is about having just an incredible team of people, and that team of that's everybody here at Carolina. It's it's certainly our uh, our world class faculty, our devoted staff, uh, our incredible um, you know coaches and. Uh, um, you know, our graduate students that uh, are helping to solve these big uh, challenges, problems around uh, our research faculty. Uh, it's about our development team that's out helping us to raise money, but it's about storytelling. When you have uh, great stories to tell about a magical place like the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, uh, you uh, you can go out and uh, raise $5.1 billion. And that's what we raised over about a seven year, uh, seven, eight year window. And uh, it was a really fun night at the Eddie Smith Field House on our campus, uh, as you know, uh, on November the 18th, where we celebrated the close of, of that campaign. And, um, you know, we had a $4.25 billion goal that we set out uh, uh, several years ago, and we surpassed that goal. Um, we hit that goal back in January of last year and, um, and then proceeded to continue to raise uh, a lot more money up through November, December, and uh, it's going to fund not just the billion dollars uh, in scholarship and aid that I mentioned earlier in the, in the show, uh, but it's supporting uh, programs like our that like that program for public discourse. It's uh, uh, supporting professorships, and uh, you know, so that we can uh, recruit and retain the the world class faculty that we enjoy uh, here at Carolina. It's uh, uh, some of it's supporting new buildings. Uh, uh, one in particular that I'm really proud of, uh, uh, I'm not sure you've heard of it, but it's called the Media, uh, uh, the, the Curtis Media Center. And uh, oh, that is just an incredible new facility uh, that uh, is allowing our uh, journalism school to move up in the rankings and to win the uh, Hearst Award uh, in journalism for uh, the 13th year uh, out of the last 14 years. And so, uh, it's it just, uh, again, it's about story, great storytelling and uh, about, uh, you know, the great uh, things we're able to accomplish here at Carolina that will um, uh, continue to have, uh, you know, people want to want to give uh, of their time, talent and treasure to Carolina. And thank you, Don, for all that you've done for us in that regard. Well, it's, it's certainly a pleasure and I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the when we talk about the generous alumni. There are three hundred and almost three hundred sixty thousand alumni, but uh, there's a big change there because after many years, Doug Dilbert, uh, who has been heading up the alumni association, is re has retired, and we have a new GAA executive. You might want to comment on that. Yeah, uh, we're we're really ex well. First of all, we're you know, Doug uh, has been leading the General Alumni Association for 41 uh, years. Uh, and I commented at, at the celebration uh, a few weeks ago uh, where we sent Doug off and uh, uh, in style. And uh, I said 1982 was a really good year. I said uh, uh, many people don't know that, uh, uh, you know, that was a year that both Doug Dibbert and uh, David Letterman debuted. Uh, and, <laughs> And uh, Doug outlasted Letterman by eight years, um, but uh, and served uh, eight chancellors uh, 
but um, uh, we are uh, in 82, I think, Don, you probably could talk a little bit, bit about it, 1982 when we uh, won the national championship in basketball. So that was uh, made 1982 for a really good year. But the General Alumni Association is going to be in great hands, uh, in Veronica's hands, and uh, uh, she's going to take, uh, uh, she uh, starts here in a few weeks, and uh, I know she's going to do a fantastic job. Well, you've got just about a minute to tell me what's at the very top of your list as uh, you uh, plan to go to work in uh, uh, at, uh, your job as Chancellor of the University of North Carolina uh, and uh, sort of the midpoint of the year. What are your plans for the rest of the year? Well, again, I think it's just making sure that we're ready to um... – uh, you know, to start off the academic year, we've got uh, this is going to be a large incoming class, one of the largest in the history of uh, of Carolina. And, uh, uh, you know, we are, um, uh, you know, looking forward to welcoming those students at our new student convocation and uh, and just making sure that they can, as I said earlier, have the, the same uh, they deserve the same opportunity that uh, uh, that, that those 360,000 living alums uh, that you mentioned earlier uh, enjoyed at Carolina. I think we're going to have an exciting fall uh, football season. Uh, we're welcoming uh, uh, fall sports season uh, beyond football, but I think we're going to have, we've got, as you know, soccer and a lot of other fun uh, events, uh, you know, on the campus. But uh, we're also, um, uh, again, it's just I hope that people can recharge batteries, our faculty, staff that are so dedicated to the campus and to the to make sure these students have a great experience and they can recharge batteries here as we uh, finish up the, the last uh, month and a half of the summer. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Chancellor Godswitz, for your, your time. And if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. And, of course, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he will have another guest for us next week on this same group of stations across North Carolina. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.